So we are continuing on our series. Um, so what, we, what we're doing is we're looking at our, our purposes as a church, our purpose being that we're is, is more like Jesus, being family, and centered in community. And that's where we take the, if you take the letters NBC, that's how we memorize it. That's how we uh, keep it in, in our hearts and in our minds. NBC, more like Jesus, being family, centered in the community. And what we're doing is we're putting our values through the, these three things to see what they look like. Now, our values are easy to remember as well. He says this where he spent a good 10 minutes in bed this morning going, what is, what is E? Um, our values, again, are, are, are set up as a, um, as a way of remembering. Is, is it an acronym? Is that, is that right? An acronym? So, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and so it's whales. Speaking of whales, when I think of whales, how, how, how did the rugby go yesterday? Uh, we, we're not mentioning Wales and, and rugby. Uh, um, let's speak about Scotland and rugby. <laughs> Wasn't that a good day? Nice to have you here. <laughs> so, oh, it's good. And, and you know, it wound me up. So I was, I was reading one of the papers, and it says, it says, the first time since 1984 that Scotland, Scotland has retained the Calcutta Cup. That's not right. You'll find that as a good Scotsman, you will find that in the season uh, 18 to 19 that we drew, which means that we retained it after beating the English. So uh, if you can correct the papers for me, that would help in 1984. Anyway, let's not be sidetracked. Wales is our acronym, and it stands for for, um, welcoming, um, authentic, loving, expectant, and serving. And today, we're going to look at serving in the light of the M, more like Jesus. So that's where we're going to take it. Rachel's away with the young people, so she texts me this morning. She says, it's been so long since you preached, Dave. I went, I know. And she goes, good. Are you looking forward to it? I went, I am. But I've got 10 points. So I'm not sure they're going to enjoy it too much. But uh, we have got 10 points this morning. So uh, um, <laughs> when I, did you have, when you went to Bible College, Alistair, when you were at Bible, did you have to preach to, to the, all the students? Just morning chapel. Just morning chapel. And did they criticize you? Yeah. <sighs> it's like torture, isn't it? We had 87 students I had to preach to at college. And then they all gave me their thoughts. Um, and the worst thing was, the week before me was David Landricum, who was like the best preacher in college. And I was like, oh, I've got to follow him. And um, <laughs> the first time I preached, I had two points, and they said, that's not enough. The second time I preached, I broke the record for the college and had 13 points. I wasn't allowed to preach again <laughs> for a while. So anyway, let's, let, let's go. So um, Jesus had a problem. His problem were his disciples. His disciples were young. They, they were probably teenagers, except for Peter, who would have been in his early 20s. So they're, they're young. Think, think young. They're these young guys who've given their life uh, to follow Jesus. But there's a few issues with them, to say the least. And you'll find on, on many occasions that, 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 that you have a few arguments among themselves. And the arguments tend to go along the lines of who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. 
could you imagine this? Jesus is about to, to leave and go back to heaven, and it's his last day before he dies. And even on that day, they're arguing about who is the greatest. No, I'm much greater than you. No, I'm greater than you. I will be the greatest in the kingdom. And, and Jesus comes in and goes, oh, what are you speaking about? And they all went, oh, nothing. <laughs> but he knew. On one occasion, it says he took a child and put a child in his lap and says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to accept one of these. By accepting a child is like accepting me. The kingdom of God is something that is coming. It's something that we're part of. It's something that's still invading our world. It's not here quite yet, but it is coming, and we are part of bringing it here to earth. But this uh, crazy argument happened. So we're going to read together So uh, in the Scriptures from John chapter 13. Let me get my PowerPoint up. Okay. Okay, so this is John chapter 13 and verse 1. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon, uh, uh, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon, Peter, and he said to him, Look, sorry, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those Uh, who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you will be clean, even not, sorry, and though you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew that he was going to be betrayed. For he knew who who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord, teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor his messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Washing feet is not something that we're used to, is it, in this country? 
Washing feet isn't something that we do. I mean, we wash our feet when we have a shower or a bath, but it's not a customary thing that when we get in from, from going out that we'll stop and wash our feet. It's not something you would do before you go to bed. It's, oh, I must remember to wash my feet. But that was a common practice in Jesus' day because there was no, um, well, not many roads. Most roads were just made of dust or mud. And the same as inside the house, downstairs would have been uh, dust of, and, and mud as well. would have been hard. Um, but it would mean that their feet got dirty. And it would mean that it would be clean customary. It would be uh, a job to, to have been done if you went to someone's house that your feet would be washed. Now, there's rules for who washes your feet, uh, which I quite like. Um, the rules go that... Um, that well, this is what sort of bans Jesus from washing feet, is um, you, you cannot wash feet if you are someone important, like a rabbi. It would be something that would never happen. Rabbis, you know what I mean, important people would never wash feet. It would be something that would be done to them. So that sort of excludes Jesus at that sort of point. The second point being that a man would never wash your feet. It was never done as, as a male thing. It was always seen as a female thing. So that would exclude Jesus from washing the feet. It, it, would, it would never have been done um, by someone who's free. It was a job done for, for a slave, for a servant. So that would exclude Jesus from this. It would never be done by an Israelite because even if they were slaves, they were still told that they were not to wash the feet. So Jesus coming and washing feet would have been horrifying to the disciples that a man in his position would wash feet. But think about it. This is in the Gospel of John. This is where John is written and said, you know what I mean, trying to get everyone to understand who, who Jesus is right from the start. It says in, in John chapter 1, no one knows um, what, let me read it to you, otherwise I'm going to misquote it. It says, um, no one knows, knows God except for him who came from God. No one has ever seen God, but the one and, and only Son, who himself is God and is the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So right from the start of the gospel, John wants people to know that Jesus is God. God come to earth. This is God in skin who's come down and now in, in, in this situation is washing his disciples' feet. The last thing, or one of the last uh, statements in John at the end is where Peter, not Peter, when Thomas falls on his knees and he says, my, am I, my Lord and my God. Again, pointing out, this, this is no ordinary man. This man is someone special. This is God. And here we have in chapter 13, this, this is God come to earth. And what does he do? He bends down and does something that you would never expect him to do, to serve in the lowest capacity. And then he says, if that's what I'm prepared to do, that's what I expect from you. We are called to serve. We are called to serve one another. I, I went to work as an evangelist from, from Bible College, and I was sent to Cumbria to work with an evangelist called uh, Derek Cook. 
And when I arrived, he had a present for me. I was so excited. Get a present. I think, woo! And he gave me it. And I thought, thought, oh, maybe it's a suit. Because that's what it felt like. I thought, maybe he's got me a nice suit for when I preach in it. And when I opened it up, it was a pair of blue overalls. And I looked at him and went, have you got the right present for me? He went, yeah, yeah. I went, "I, I, I thought I was coming here. Sort of like learn to be an evangelist. He went, oh, you are. And these are the clothes you need. My first week, I washed the cars inside and out. And then in my second week, when we went off to speak at some places, I never spoke. I never said anything. What he wanted me to do when I arrived at a venue was to clean it and to make sure it was spick and spam. Even if it was clean, and most places were spotless, He'd still ask me to clean it, to clean everything, to, to remove the seats and put the seats in. And when I, when I started to speak, he'd always tell me, even before you speak, I want you to take all the seats out, clean the floor, put all the seats back in, and as you put in each seat back in, I want you to pray. And I remember asking him, why am I, why am I cleaning all the time? I, 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 thought, I came as a speaker, that's what I want to do. And he says, if you want to speak, you've got to learn to serve. He says, our job is to serve the church. And he says, so don't think it's all about being up at, up at the front. There's far more to it than that, far more than you see. It's about service. We are called to follow and to serve Jesus. Everyone has a role to play, and that includes you. So are you ready? I have 10 points and we have about two hours to get them done in, okay? Uh, so let's, let's go for it. Oh, my computer might run out of things. Point number one, I was created for service. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Basically, you were made for this, to serve. When, when I was a teenager, my youth pastor had this great idea that all the young people should be serving the church in some ways. So he asked us to write down some of the things that we're good at, and then he would put us into sort of volunteer jobs within church. So I put all the things that I thought I was good at, and I ended up with two things that I would do for church. One Thursday Fellowship, it was called. We have something similar, don't we? But it was basically, it was, um, it was 20 grannies who, who met for afternoon tea. And I, I loved it. I had one granny. Now I had 20. And they had cake and sandwiches. And my job was I'd go be, be, before they arrived and set all the seats and tables up. And then I'd come at the end and I would wash up and I'd put all the tables and chairs away. <sighs> there would be a plate with food in it for me. And they would gather around me and they would love me and they would pray for me. It was the best thing ever. And I was serving. I couldn't see the anything negative about this. I thought this was a, the best job ever. Until I got my second job, which was even better, they wanted me to clean the floors of the main hall. Fantastic. 
we had a wooding hall, okay? So we had a buffing machine. You know what a buffing machine is? You know one of these ones that's round and it's... If you sat on it, plugged it in and sat it and switched it on, it would spin you round like a rodeo. It would pull the, the plug from the wall when it came thing and you'd spin round. I had hours of cleaning that church. They used to come and go, Steve, how can it take you so long? <laughs> so my two jobs, and when we had to report back after doing it for three months, and then the youth pastor, how you got it, everyone was whinging. I was like, I've got the best jobs in the world. I, I, I look after some, some, some ladies who are wonderful to me, and I clean the church floor. Brilliant. But we all have a role to play. We all have a job to do. And, and as you say, you... God has got a plan for you that he's even put these good works out for you to do. He's prepared in advance for what you should be doing. Second thing. I am saved for service. People ask me, oh, let me read the passage. It says this in 2 Timothy 1.9. It says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. I was baptizing one young person, and they turned to me and says, "Um, how long do you keep me under? Which is a good question, isn't it? And I says, well, it depends on sin. If you've been a sinner, the longer you are in the water. And this kid went white and went, really? I went, no. Oh. I went, we keep you down till the bubbles stop. <laughs> in some ways, that would be good, wouldn't it? Because if you died when you became a Christian, if you went straight to heaven, you would never backslide or fall away. Wouldn't you? That would be the best way to do it. I mean, if, if God had come up with that idea of, you, I mean, you become a Christian and, poo, you're in heaven, would be good. But that's not his plan at all, is it? His plan is that he's got a purpose for us and with us to do something, to bring heaven to earth. That's, that's his plan. And his, his way of doing it is to use us, which is, for me, is mystifying I'm sure he could come up with better creatures than us. But you've got to think, his first disciples were worried about who was the greatest. So I think we're probably a bit better than them. Um, But that's his plan. His plan is to use us to bring his kingdom here to earth. And we are part of that kingdom. How exciting. Third thing, I am called for service. Uh, Ephesians 4.1 says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you received. God's got this wonderful thing going on, and he's called you to be part of it. He called you. And you might say, sit here and go, Me, I haven't got many gifts I'm not much good at doing anything, but we're all in the same boat. We all have things that we struggle with. But there's also things that you can do that others can't do. Isn't there? You'll be good at something. It might be hidden deep, but we're all good at something. We had... um, we had a lady in, in, in church when I was a teenager, and she had a, a world record. She was like proper, proper respectful, 
very Irish, very prim and proper. And uh, we were speaking to her one day, and she says, oh, I'm in the Guinness Book of Records. And we were like, you are not. And she was. We had to go and get a book to prove it. And she could say the alphabet backwards faster than anyone else. I thought, wow. And we got her to do it. She could do it in about three, four seconds. It was incredible. We used to try. I could never get past the, the why. And it would start to get all confusing. We all got things that we're good at. But God wants us to use the things that we are good at for his kingdom. Four, I am gifted to serve. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. I went to a church. Uh, they, they wanted some help. And basically the help was how could we help them draw families within to the church. So a few of us went up to help them. And, and one of the guys there was amazing. We discovered that, that of all the places we'd ever been, that this guy was the best at welcoming people. When people came, he knew their name. If they were, if they were uh, new to the church, they were given a great welcome. He would bring them in. He'd sit them down with the right people. He'd make sure they got a cup of coffee. He'd speak to them about you. He was just fantastic. People were coming back to the church after one visit because this guy was so good. And so we wrote that down saying, this guy is really valuable in the church. Well, we went back after six months to see how they'd improved and to talk through all their changes. And when we went back, this guy no longer was unwelcoming. And we said, well, what did you do with him? He said, well, we made him a church leader. And we were like, wonderful. So what does he do now? He says, oh, we made him the treasurer. So now after the service, he counts the money. And we're like, but he's brilliant with people. Why do you want him to put them with, with money? And they said, oh, we never thought of that. We all have gifts, things that we're good at. But don't let them, those gifts be taken away to serve in some other capacity. Use your gifts, what you have for, the, for God. He's given you gifts for you to use for his kingdom. Five, I am commanded to serve. Jesus said uh, to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to be everything that I have commanded you. And it's died. Um, it's important for us to obey. It's important for us to do what, what we've been told to do. I have a dog. He's called Bertie. I try to command him to tell him what to do. His job is to be obedient to me, but he doesn't know it yet. I will throw a ball, and he'll look at me, and I'll look at him, and I'll go, go get the ball, and he's sort of like, you threw it, you get the ball. And when he does get the ball, he's quite excited, and he brings it back, and I said, can I have the ball? He went, no, if I give it to you, you'll throw it away. <laughs> and eventually I get it, and I throw it away, and he's like, there we go again. I'm sure God's a little bit like that with us. We're commanded to serve. 
We are commanded to be obedient. He's asked us to do something. The question is, are we doing what he's asked us to do? Push the button, but it makes no odds. Number six, my church family needs my service. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, you are the body of Christ. Each of you has a part of it. And it's when it comes off the example, you know what I mean? Is that if the eye says to the ear something, and you know what I mean? Because if, if we're all just eyes, we'll be able to see, but we won't be able to hear. If we're all, you know, you get the drift. Someone you said to me, says, uh, if the nose wanted to be the feet and the feet wanted to be the nose, what you'd end up with would be the, a nose that runs and feet that smell. Which I thought was quite clever. <laughs> the idea that we're a body, that we're, we make up things, that we're all different and different. We all have different backgrounds, we all have different interests. And the idea of that is by all of us having so much difference, is that, that, that we work better together when there's a difference in it. So it's great that you're here because you can do something that I can't do. Like read, or <laughs> stumbling over your words. Um, like dance. Um, I, whatever, or, or sing. I wish I could sing. I bet you wish I could sing. But I can't sing, and that's why we have wonderful musicians and singers within the church. We can't do all things, but together we can do all things. And by together doing all things, we bring God's kingdom closer to earth. Number seven, it says, because we owe everything to Christ. John read this earlier. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. How do you love God? You love God by loving others. I always wished it was you love God by, by, by singing more. It's not, it's by serving. Jesus told a parable. One of the most scary bits in the Bible you ever read it. He says, in the end, he says, there's this field and it's full of sheep and goat. And he says, and they'll separate the sheep from the goats. And the only way you can tell them apart is by what they do. And he says, when we split them up, he says, the goats, he says, that's like what the angels are going to do with people at the end of the age. What's going to happen with the Christians at the end of the age? And he'll say to some, I was thirsty, but you didn't give me a drink. And I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was in prison, and you never visited. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. But to others, he'll say the opposite. I was hungry, and you fed me. And I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was in prison, and you visited. I was naked, and you gave me clothes. And they would say, when? When did we do that? And he says, when you did it for the least of my children, you did it unto me. Service. If we want to love God, we love God by serving and by loving one another. Um, number eight, because service makes life meaningful. 1 Corinthians says this, So then, my dear friends, stand firm and steady. Keep busy always. And let your work for the, as you work for the Lord, since you know that nothing you do in the Lord's service is ever useless. There's nothing better than serving God. 
I, I, I've done it for many years, and at some points I would sit and say, if you didn't pay me, I'd probably still do it. But Ian's not here today, so I can say that with confidence. But, um, but if you didn't pay me, I'd probably still do it. Why? Because it gives... There's, there's something about serving God that gives me purpose. Something about serving God that gives me meaning in life. And when God's at work and when he does something that's wonderful, I sometimes just smile and think, wow, what a great God we serve. I, I'll, I, we, we had... We built a building, and it was on the same street, it was opposite the street where I lived, and we upset some of the neighbors as we were building this building. And, and one day when I was away, a neighbor came and banged on the door and shouted and screamed at my wife. When I got back, I was a bit annoyed. And I said to Rachel, shall I go visit? And she was like, no. <laughs> I'll go and have a quiet word with him in my Scottish ways. And she's like, No. She says, let's pray for him instead. Let's pray and pray that his children become Christians and join this church. And I sat there and said, this is ridiculous. Let me go batter the door and have a chat with him. She's like, no, let's pray. And so we prayed. And about a year later, I got on this minibus to take children to go ice skating. And there was a kid at the back who I didn't recognize. I went, who are you? And he went, oh, I just live across the street at number one. And this was the son of that neighbor who came banging on that door. About a year later, I baptized him. And all his family turned up, including his dad. And about a year after that, his sister started to come. And then she was baptized. And you know, it's nothing to do with me and all to do with him but I have the joy of serving him and being part of it. Because serving makes life meaningful. Uh, two more, two more. Uh, nine, it will be held account- sorry, I will be held accountable for my service. So then, this is Romans 1.4, so then let each of us give account of ourselves to God. You know, one day we are going to be in heaven for a long time. You know what I mean? So long it's going to be like this time we're going to forget. But there'll be times when they're going to, so what did you do when you were down there? You know what I mean? And and, and being an accountant isn't going to count for much. You know what I mean? Or uh, having a doctorate isn't going to count for much. But when you can say, well, I, I, I love people in Jesus' name. And I walked with people through pain. And I cried with those who were heartbroken. And I made coffee on a Sunday morning that brought a smile to the pastor's face. I shook hands and made everyone feel welcomed. I did youth work. I did kids work, even though it was hard. We all will be held accountable. And the last thing, I will be rewarded for my service in eternity. Whoever serves must follow me. And wherever I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So let's serve. I have two questions for you. Is, um, are you ready to serve? And the second question, and what will you do? It's a family. When I was a kid, we all had chores. I was the only child 
Okay? That meant I had more chores than all my brothers and sisters. I had to cut the grass. I had to wash up. And I had to do everything else my parents asked me to do. <laughs> but we all had roles to play. My mum and dad did chores as well. But part of being family is that we've got to serve. And there's room for everyone in this church to serve. There's a job for everyone. Are you doing what you're called to do? Thanks, Steve.